Thank you, thank you, thank you. You're far too kind for joining us once again. This time, episode six, Ball on Blast. As always, I'm Sean Alexander here with the man, the myth, the legend that is Andrew Webster Webby. What's good? Not too much, man. We had to take a day off to observe American Thanksgiving. We are back talking ball on Black Friday. Let's go. I mean, first off, American Thanksgiving is very cool. I'm super right. jealous of American Thanksgiving as a Canadian. Dude, honestly, it is a, it's such a great holiday because it's got this whole aura around it of like going back home. So mm-hmm. you'll get these little towns like all across America and just the, all, the, the people who grew up there descend upon like the local bar. And that, that Friday night after Thanksgiving on Thursday is such a wild night in just random American towns. How lit does it get? Oh, man. Thanksgiving's a great holiday. Not only do you get the great bird, but you get that great weekend just uh, in the middle of fall. Like it's a nice respite between the summer and Christmas. Yes, Thanksgiving, always a good time. And yeah, at, this, at this point, Webby, Thanksgiving, we're going to give thanks to the NBA. Because the NBA delivered once again another great week in the association. And, you know, we'll, we'll start again here with the little thing we like to call turn up or turn down. For those of you new to the Ball on Blast podcast, very simple. We make a statement turn up equals good, turn down equals bad. Pretty crazy, but one place to start this week. And it's the rivalry between the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the Golden State Warriors, but more specifically, Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. So here's the first statement. Kevin Durant says, quote, it's not about me and Russ. Webby, turn up or turn down? Well, I'm turning down on that quote, and I'm turning up on the beef, man. Usually I like a little white meat and dark meat on Thanksgiving, but I'll always take some Thanksgiving beef, man. Listen, the the rivalry is is a real thing, man. Those these two guys try to play it down every time they get together, but you can see in the last couple of meetings, man, they get so fired up. They're two super competitive players and like two of the best of their craft. And all I'm hoping is that somehow, some way, it breaks where we'll get a seven game series between the Warriors and Thunder this year, whether it's second round, first round, or in the finals. I just want to see a series of these two teams. Yeah, this was a pretty easy one. And obviously, I'm turning down as well on this because Kevin Durant, here's the thing too. I'm turning down on this topic and I'm turning down on the Golden State Warriors version of Kevin Durant. I am wow. not a, I'm, I think he's just super lame. Like, I'm not about this whole, like, he was always kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? He was always. No, he was weird with the media, right? Like very yeah, condescending. Always, I, I think always. he got caught early on with just like, you know, the Mr. Uh, what was that? Mr. Oklahoma thing. What was it early on that happened with the newspaper? Oh, Mr. Unreliable, yeah. right? Like I think Mr. some things happened. Yeah. yeah, I think some things happened early on in his career, which caused him to not trust the media. So he's always been rather salty towards the media. And I get that to a certain level and I understand that. But this is something that's super easy. We know that obviously it's going to be very contentious with you and Russell Westbrook and you and your former teammates and the city of Oklahoma and the city of Oklahoma City. I know that sounds weird to say, but you know what I mean? And trying to downplay it and, and, and think that these people are going to just get over it. Like, why would you think that? You know that this is a big deal. 
You're the you're a league MVP. You left the team that beat you after you blew a 3-1 lead. You joined that team. Obviously, every time you face your former squad, it's going to be a big deal. So pretending like it's not a big deal and everyone's just going to forget, especially after you add in all the stuff that happened in this offseason, Webby. Remember his his ghost account that he had where he got caught? I was just going to say, a feed me all-star, Kevin Durant. Right? Like so many things going on. I just don't understand like... One second, it's supposed to be like angry KD, and you talked about the Warriors taking this heel turn, and he's he's trying to play the Draymond role, but you can't because there's already Draymond, and you are not that dude. Yeah, but you like, know what? I, I'm not turning down on this version of Kevin Durant with the Warriors. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. You know what? He may be corny, but like you said, he was even kind of that way in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Like the, That's just the kind of person he is, but the kind of ball he's playing for Golden State right now is unbelievable. Like, and it's almost overshadowed by this kind of personality ticks that keep coming up with them. But I'm not turning down on Kevin Durant, man. Here's my question, though. So the game was obviously outstanding. It was just great to oh. see, but it also like lived up to the the hype in the sense of we we know it's contentious between these two guys. We know Russ is gonna go ham, but just the little moments that these guys are having with each other in these games, you know, they're bumping into each other, Russ making the steal, and then them being like forehead to forehead facing off. Like that stuff is amazing to see. And it begs a question for me anyways. Okay. Do you think OKC could give them a go in a playoff series? Well, okay. I Here's the thing is the way that game was called too between the Warriors and the Thunder, mm-hmm. there's no way that would go down in a playoff series, man. There was no whistles at all. It was so physical. Yeah. It was like a Pistons game from the 80s, man. They were letting everything go. They were playing really, really physical basketball. And I just don't know if we would see that kind of game being called in a playoff series. But that doesn't mean I don't want to see these two in a seven game. Like that's it. These two teams, and you, you kind of saw that if Paul, George, and Carmelo are doing what they're there to do, mm-hmm. that could be a pretty weird matchup for the Warriors. It's funny you mentioned that too, right? Because I was thinking about this. The Warriors, as they were constituted, right, heading into last season, it was basically a matchup nightmare for every single team, right? Like most nights, they're going to blow another team out because their talent was just so much better than any other team in the league. Now with certain changes going on, and I'm not talking about, you know, do the pieces fit yet, but I mean, Chris Paul is another gamer that you're adding to Houston, right? Melo and Paul George, we don't know if the fit's going to work, but at least we know the talent level of that team now is something that could give Golden State a little bit of a go, I think, because what, what happens in, especially in a game like basketball, right? There's talent and then there's just like will. And when those two things start to, you know, like you can make up for the little bit of a lack of talent with Will, but you know what I mean? Like, am I making sense here? Right? Like, I, I think like absolutely. We're well, talent- with anything, you're going to have a balance, right? Mm-hmm. And so you might be able to make up for a little bit of a lack of skill, but it's going to reach a tipping point. Yeah. With, with either the will or the skill, but no, I understand what you mean. Right, because I think no better example of just watching the games last year that Russ played against Golden State. He had all the will he wanted to, but it didn't matter because you're going to get blown out because your talent is nowhere near 
what Golden State's is. But now when you add KD, or KD, I was about to say, when you add <laughs> Paul George and Melo, your talent is now at least a little bit closer to them. And now you're talking about will and and can that, you know, that grind, can you be more physical and rough up Steph Curry and throw him off his game? Can you force Kevin Durant to have to guard, you know, guard Melo in the post or whatever it is? You know what I mean? Like, these things now, it could be an interesting series, and I just hope, I hope and yeah, hope and pray, hope the basketball hope gods, right? The basketball gods the, let this matchup happen. You want to see the Warriors have to face the – I want to see Rockets-Warriors, and I want to see Warriors out there. That's what I want to see. Yeah, that would be – And I want, to see, I want to see Sixers-Boston. <laughs> and then Sixers-Who else, YB? Oh, well, Sixers-Cavs. <laughs> and then that'll be to go to the, that'll be go to the finals. Oh, man, too amazing, too amazing. But, no, listen, we're turning down on the quote, but I can't turn down on the player, man. He's too good. I'm turning up on the possible playoff matchup. How about that? We'll oh, agree on that. Way up, turning way up on that. <laughs> All right, moving on. We know that the Boston Celtics, they had their 16-game winning streak snapped, but that still doesn't change the fact that they were on a crazy run. So our next turn-up, turn-down topic is right now, Kyrie Irving is the NBA's MVP. Webby, turn up or turn down? Turning so down on that. Are you kidding me? Is he in the top five of scoring right now? Hey, we just I just asked the questions, Webby. I just asked the questions. Kyrie MVP. Listen, the Celtics are a great team, mm-hmm. okay? But I, I don't think that Kyrie would be even... Well, I think he would still be scoring, but that team wouldn't be nearly as good as it is without Al Horford. Interesting. But I don't I don't think either one of them is the MVP. Your MVP right now has to be James Harden. I agree, totally agree with that. I totally he agree with that. Killing it. He's leading in scoring and in, in assists. The guy is amazing. I think what happens here in Kyrie getting the MVP like pub. I think it's just the easy thing that's going on because the Celtics were obviously making these great comebacks and Kyrie obviously in crunch time is great and he'll get all the headlines. But I think for their 16-game winning streak and just for the entire season, what we're really seeing from Boston, once again, it's it's the sum of the parts, right? 100%. Kyrie Irving is great, but as you mentioned... It's it's a bunch of players coming into their own, but it's not. that's not a team... I think... If Kyrie were to miss two weeks, I don't think that Boston's going to go down the shitter. Yeah. Pardon my language. No, that's allowed. That's allowed. <laughs> Unpolished, you know, unapologetic, like, Webby. I think that they're, well, uh, they're they're coached well enough, and they have a lot of uh, a lot of different complementary pieces. I think that they'd be fine. And now that's not to take away with how great Kyrie is playing, because you need to watch him every night. Because every time down the court, you could see something in terms of handles that you've never seen before. It's unbelievable watching Kyrie, especially with this team with so many options. But no, my MVP is James Harden right now. Yeah, it's super interesting, and I'm also turning down on this topic. I think Kyrie Irving has done a great job, and he's getting the headlines because it's a very easy uh, conclusion to get to when you consider how how big of a thing this was in the offseason. But when you look at what's going on with the rest of the team, you mentioned Al Horford and how great he is, whether it's setting screens or boxing out, getting rebounds, playing good positional defense, things that don't really make it into the box score. Al Mm -hmm. Horford, the OG of their team, has really been helping them out. But also, 
every night it's either Jalen Brown or Tatum. One of them is just having a dominating performance, putting up at least like 20 plus. It's one of them. It's like they're taking turns, right? And Tatum's fourth quarter numbers are insane. Right? It's so good. And I think that there's so many key elements to this. And obviously, you got to give credit to the mastermind. Mr. Brad Stevens, that's also doing a great job. I just think there's so much going on in Boston right now. Danny Ainge is feeling himself, trying to quote Kyrie's whole. Uh, maybe the world, maybe he was right about the, <laughs> the world being flat. But like the flat earther, the flat earther, right? There's so much going on in Boston right now that I think there's there should be enough praise to go around. That it's not just us settling on yes, Kyrie Irving is the MVP, especially because hey, that guy LeBron James. He's coming for the top spot. As I was don't say, get, don't I was get it twisted. Say, do, you have, do you have Kyrie ahead of LeBron in your MVP voting right now? <laughs> great question. Great question. Uh, moving on, and we're, I'm noticing I didn't do this on purpose, but there's kind of a point guard theme here to the turn up, turn down segment here. Obviously, we talked about Russ, and we're mo- we talked about Kyrie. And now you did mention the Houston Rockets. Maybe James Harden is their point guard, but we're going to ask a question. Is Chris Paul still the point god? Turn up or turn down, Webby? Oh, well, I mean, I got to turn up because you know what? That, that's a, it's a great nickname and it's one uh, that Chris Paul's earned over his career. Uh, now, does that mean I think that he's the best point guard in the league? No, nah, no way. But on that Rockets team, that's a really, it's just a really weird and interesting piece to add. Mm-hmm. And, and if he can stay healthy, I know that Paul's always dealing with kind of some stuff. weird lingering injury, right? But if he can stay on the court, then yeah, I don't see why he can't almost evolve his game uh, the way another like Hall of Fame point guard, Jason Kidd, did later in his career. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, you mentioned the injuries, and he just came back. At the, at the time that we're taping this, he's been back for three games. Since he's been and back... The, from, the Rockets have looked awesome with him. They have, right? Like, three straight blowout wins. They're averaging, like, 124 points, which is just ridiculous. Insane. Chris, Chris Paul's numbers, he's putting up 16 points, nine assists a game, but to me, the thing that's really looking great for him in these three games since he's been back, he's shooting 58% from the floor and 56% from three. And I mean, maybe this, I don't know if that's, I don't think that's sustainable. It's definitely not sustainable, him shooting 56% from three. But just the fact that the way that their team operates, it's so crazy to see um, him fit in and have it work that well. Because early on, it didn't go, it didn't go great at all at the beginning of the season, right? And maybe it did help him, like, I know this sounds weird to say, but maybe it did help while he was hurt that he got a chance to sort of just sit and have a great seat in the house to watch, you know, where does James like getting the ball? Where does, you know, Ryan Anderson like getting the ball? How he can fit into the game and where he can get his shots from. Chris Paul, we know, obviously, to be such a great point guard, he's a very cerebral player, right? And of maybe course. just being out for that long, it gave him a chance to watch. And maybe that and, helps. And study, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a lot different playing with somebody in a training camp, you know, scrimmage situation mm-hmm. than it is to see them and play with them at full speed. So maybe he just had to see that Rockets team, how they operate at game speed, take a couple of notes, and then understand what his role is in that offense. And I, Hey, if that's what he did, it seems to be working now. Like you say, it's only like a couple games since he's been back, but that's the thing with this Rockets team. It's almost like they don't need Chris Paul 
but he's a hell of a weapon to have just in your arsenal, right? For Especially sure. if he can start to really like adapt to that offense, it can be really scary, man. That, that like you say, they've been scoring in insane amounts. Yeah, these guys. The the thing too, I think people overlook with how this NBA works, and when you have so many guys on your team, like it takes some of the pressure off James Harden. You know, like he doesn't have to do every single thing or create every single shot for Ryan Anderson or Eric Gordon when he's healthy. You know what I mean? And and having Chris Paul, everyone was kind of worried about there not being enough ball to go around, but these guys can figure it out, man. They're smart. They've played ball before. It's not like James Harden needs to to literally handle the ball all the time, right? Like Chris Paul knows that James Harden is that dude. I don't know if you saw the other day, they were kind of joking around in the post game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Like uh, Chris Paul was was chirping him because he didn't get to what forty or was it fifty? I can't remember what. No, it was, it was fifty. He was, was like, 50. who gets to forty eight points? Right, like so crazy. So I just think it's one of those things where you know you give them time and you let them all figure it out because eventually it will work. And I I, I look forward to seeing how far this Rockets team will go. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to see how many points they can put up in a season. And if it breaks a record for most points scored in a single season, yes, because uh, they got to be on pace, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, they're they're putting up crazy numbers. I don't know if they can keep this pace up, but I mean, it'll be fun to see. They're competing. It's like them and the Warriors. Even though everyone else is trying to jack up all the threes, I don't know if everyone has the talent to to keep up with all the threes that they're actually able to knock down on a night per night yeah. basis. Right. Agreed. Uh, one team that is trying to keep up with that pace with their brand new shiny offense. Ha ha ha. Right? New offense? No? You know where I'm going. <laughs> the Toronto Raptors. It's time for the wrap it up segment. And as we're recording this, the Toronto Raptors are in a heated battle right now with the Indiana Pacers. So without knowing, obviously, what's going to happen in this game, we're going to discuss just what's been going on with the Raptors recently. and. Uh, I was at the Jay-Z concert this week when my phone started blowing up and it just was multiple text messages from a a group text and it was just multiple references to a 28-0 run, which confused me because I was like, wait, what are are we talking about right now? Like That doesn't seem like a real life thing. And then I saw the highlights. Uh, I don't know. (laughs) Like, how is that a thing? What happens at halftime that you come out of a... Come out of a halftime so flat. And, and what does Jeff Hornacek say to the Knicks at halftime? I read a uh, Knicks wrap-up of what happened. And oh, right. from ESPN, a little different uh, uh, vibe on the Knicks wrap-up than the Raptors. Right. And the thing that happened here was they were saying in the Knicks locker room, things were getting kind of heated. So at halftime, your boy... Coach Jeff Hornacek was really unhappy with the effort that New York was giving on defense, in particular Courtney Lee and uh, the how much money did did your boy sign for Tim Hardaway Jr. the oh, seventy two million dollar man Tim Hardaway Jr. Yo, he had crazy numbers. He was like he's balling he like twenty seven seven and seven man. He is balling like it's it, it's bad now, and I know he's been getting a lot of. A uh, bad pub for his contract, but he's been he's been doing well for. He's them. been balling. He's been balling for sure. But Courtney Lee went to the media after, and he said at halftime, "quote We came in here, we watched film, and coach kind of got on me. I really didn't like what was being said. It was a little <laughs> explicit. 
and I don't think I can repeat what he said to the media, but we exchanged words and we went from there. That is awesome. I wish we, he could tell us what he said. <laughs> Coach, Coach Hornacek, man, getting into it. <laughs> but what do we guess that Coach Hornacek said for them to come out and go on a 28-0 run? Like, that's amazing. <laughs> call, them all, call them all Nancy's. <laughs> man, that's so amazing. I didn't, I didn't like – you know, he probably just said, yo, you're Courtney Lee. You're terrible. <laughs> it's so crazy. It's so crazy for the Toronto Raptors. But – uh, the other thing that came out of that, though, with their trip to New York, was it gave time for them to make their way into the New York Times. And there's a great article in said New York Times, and the headline states, the Raptors remade their mindset, not their roster, and it's working. Obviously, you know, remove the one game in New York aside, but I think we can still say the Raptors do look a lot different this year, right? And they're yeah. doing a pretty good job so far. But this goes in depth, and Obviously, it starts off talking about just the Maasai quotes from the offseason and how we need the culture reset and how Dwayne Casey isn't really like he was a defensive coach, but how he bought in and everyone seemed to try to buy in that, hey, this is what we're going to do, despite the fact that you're trying to change your culture, but keep the same pieces. And the biggest key to this whole thing has been Kyle Lowry. I'll just read a little part of this article here, but Lowry's role has changed. Instead of dribbling the ball up the court, he often feeds it ahead to a teammate on the wing, and there are possessions, more than a few, when the ball doesn't return to him. He is averaging nearly 11 fewer touches per game compared to last season, with fewer points at 14.6 and fewer shots, shot attempts, too. At the end of the day, though, Howes is looking for the Raptors. It looks great for them, no? Oh, yeah. I mean, other than the hiccup of giving out a 28 nothing run to the Knicks, they've looked awesome in the last two weeks. Yeah. And it's almost like after we talked about it in that podcast, it seems like Lowry bought in. Yeah. And while it's a, kind of a little bit out of his comfort zone, I think he's like coming into that role right now. And the Raptors offense looks really good. The offense is flowing. Everyone seems to be fitting in, including DeMar DeRozan, who I think people were you know, how would the mid-range game work, right? Like, you're trying to eliminate that, but that is DeMar's game, right? Like, isn't that, isn't that the, the interesting part here? DeMar DeRozan, who lives and dies by the 17-footer? Yeah, that, that, that shot is still useful on a team in the NBA, and not just a bottom-of-the-barrel team, but, like, a, a, a top three in a conference. Like, it, it, this is some. This is a shot that's been kind of like bred out of us by how the game has gone in the last couple of years. But I mean, it, it goes to show that you can build a system around a player's strength if that strength is strong enough. Yeah, definitely one of those things where you you get a chance to see just how important your star players buying into a system, right? Because this was never going to work unless these two guys bought in, and they definitely have, and they look so much better so far, you know, just as an overall team, because you want to be able to have Lowry and DeRozan healthy towards the end of the season, which means them carrying less of a load night in and night out. But also you're going to need Siakam. You're going to need Freddie Van yeah. Fleet. You're going to need these guys to step up. So it's, it's, it's imperative that you have these guys in a role where they're able to contribute and make plays and everything just not relying on those two guys. So it's super interesting to see that and see the Raptors get some love in a mainstream outlet like the New York Times, right? Hey, that's a really good point, too, because 
not only are they successfully implementing this system of a new offense, but you're right. It's, it's doing two things. It's getting young players involved. So when it gets down to it, they're not going to be scared. And it's saving, it's resting your two best offensive players, no question about it, for the playoffs. So when things do slow down and maybe that uh, kind of kick it around style may not work, things get a little more bogged down on the offense, they're going to have two players who are going to be well-rested who know how to play that system as well. Yeah, the other thing that was super interesting too, I mentioned Nick Nurse, and there's a lot of stuff in there that I didn't know, right? Like it said, Nurse came to the Raptors after he was the head coach of the Rio Grande Valley Rapids of what is now the G League, of course, right? Yeah, don't call the D League. Right, but the key part of that is they were affiliated with the Houston Rockets, right? And if you remember, before this whole Houston Rockets you know, what we see now with the Houston Rockets just shooting threes and doing layups, that was actually a thing they did as a trial with their D-League team based on the analytics. So it eliminated the long twos. Remember that, right? Do you remember that story from like, I, I want to say three I years ago? remember that. So what they did was the Houston Rockets a couple years, and I remember seeing this story separately. I just never put the pieces together that it was Nick Nurse that was the coach of that team. Yeah. And so what they did was before they implemented it in the NBA – they tried it with their D-League team. And so they basically do exactly what the Rockets do now. You eliminate the mid-range game and you base your whole offense on layups and three-pointers. And so Nick Nurse was a, was the coach of that team. And obviously, it, you see it now in the NBA with the Rockets. So it worked with the real uh, Grand Valley Vipers. And uh, they led the D-League in three-point attempts. They won the championship in 2013. Crazy. And Nurse was really ahead of the curve in terms of this analytics curve, you know, in terms of viewing layups and three-pointers as the most efficient shots and eliminating the mid-range game. So it's kind of cool. Like, I didn't even, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was a thing. And maybe I'm just, like, behind all the times and, like, all Raptor fans knew that this was a thing. But I found it very interesting. And and I guess that's kind of, like, the cool part about these mainstream things, right? Like, because it's in the New York Times, like it caught my attention. I was like, oh shit, New York Times is writing about the Raptors. Let me sit down and, and read this article. I'm right. sure, you know, the the Doug Smiths or whoever cover the local Raptors, I'm sure they've already been all over this story with Nick Nurse, but I think we gotta give him a lot of credit, especially the fact that he's gotten these guys to to buy in. But the one thing I found pretty interesting, it also said that he also acknowledges that you make allowances, right? And when you have DeMar DeRozan as your best player. Of course, you're going to make allowances and Absolutely. let him do what he does. So, I mean, shout out to the Raptors. They're off to shout a great out, start. Shout out to the paper of record, the New York Times. Right? Or as uh, someone likes to famously call them, the fake news. What the is it? The failing New York Times. The failing New York Times. I mean, I didn't mean that as a segue at all. But it's very <laughs> interesting because we're moving on to our Feed Me segment which is the best things that come across our social media feeds. You get on Feed Me when the President of the United (laughs) States takes to Twitter. When the President of the United States is talking about an NBA rookie's father on Twitter, that is going to be the Feed Me segment on the Ball on Blast podcast. Each and every time. That's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. So, And it's still weird to say that Donald Trump is the President of the United States, but alas, here we are. Here we are in what I've been calling peak 2017. Peak 2017. This was peak 2017. So I don't even know where to start with this. Like, do we? I guess we start with the fact that LeVar Ball on 
Monday or Tuesday night, I'm not sure which night it was, was on CNN. And I looked up at my Twitter timeline and noticed that in Canada, Canada, where they tell us that nobody cares about basketball, LeVar Ball was the top trending topic in Canada as he made his appearance. The big baller brand. The brand is strong. No, that's the wrong wrong brand, right? I'm I'm joking. (laughs) joking. That brand is still strong, though. (laughs) I'm joking. Shout. So, yeah, shout out. Shout. Shout to Jesus and Merrill, for sure. But, uh, yeah, LeVar Ball on CNN, which your boy, Chris... Cuomo, and I had to really think about that because LeVar Ball, <laughs> with his performance, really did make me think of calling him Chris Cromo from here on out. <laughs> but he was trending because he was on CNN, and that was basically, I think sports fans knew who LeVar Ball was. They got a full fill of who LeVar Ball was, but in terms of like the rest of the world, you know, moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, and you know what I mean? Like the mainstream audience, I think Absolutely. that was their introduction to LeVar Ball. Did you, did you catch that craziness on CNN? I just, so I just saw kind of the highlights of it. I didn't see the whole interview. Hold on. You uh, saw the highlights of it on social media, right? See 100%. what we did there? See what we did there? Feed me segment. It all works, right? It all works. I, and that's true. I did see it on social media, but... What I saw was just like LeVar Ball playing into exactly the way that he wants to be played into, you know? (laughs) He was great. He was mugging for the camera. He was saying all sorts of hilarious stuff, just being his heel self. And I loved it, right? It was so... No, go on. It worked. It worked. Oh, it, it it more than worked, right? Because here's the thing. CNN is trying to use LeVar Ball because they think that okay, either he's going to come on our platform and he's going to say thank you to the president or or, in the most likely scenario, he's going to say something LeVar (laughs) Ball-esque and that's going to go viral. And the genius thing about this is if you were paying attention, oh, it definitely was Monday night. I know I said it was Monday or Tuesday night, but it's definitely Monday night and it just hit me why I know it was definitely Monday night because the genius of all of this was, so the show started And maybe there was like 30 seconds left in the first half of the Monday night football game. And so as that game went to halftime, boom, that interview was up. It was maybe two minutes into the interview. And that interview lasted the entire duration of halftime of the Monday (laughs) nighter. And if you watch the interview, I I can't remember how long it was. I want to say it was at least like 20 minutes. It seemed anyways, but it, it could have been over honestly after five minutes. And it just kept going in circles and it kept going around and around and it seemed like they're filling. And then I was like, wait a second, this is genius. I'm assuming they planned it because it couldn't be any more perfect that that was just, you know, you have your mainstream audience that would be turning on CNN at 10 o'clock to see what's going on. But then you're also catching the sports fan who is now flicking over at halftime and it was just perfect viewing. And for me anyways, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, LeVar Ball is LeVar Ball. And if you're still getting mad at LeVar Ball, that's on you. Yeah, 100%. His whole spinning around in circles. And if he just articulated himself, if he cared enough to articulate himself and what his point was, was that just because Donald Trump says that he did something doesn't mean that he actually did something. Do you know what I mean? And I I think that's what his point was. But it just turned into a, a joke going round and round to the point where he's asking the interviewer, did you thank the doctor that gave birth to you? <laughs> just, just amazing. And of course, the feed me part of all this continues because, ya boy, oh. 
Donald Trump boy. gets up and he's taking full advantage of the new uh, 280 character. Twitter. Isn't he ever, huh? Right? He wakes up and he tweets. It wasn't, quote, quote, got to get that important. Of quote. course. It wasn't the White House. It wasn't the State Department. It wasn't Father Lavar's so-called people on the ground in China that got his son out of a long prison sentence. Now in caps, it was me. <laughs> Too bad! Exclamation mark. Lavar is just a poor man's version of Don King, but without the hair. Just think, Lavar, you could have spent the next five to ten years during Thanksgiving with your son in China, but no NBA contract to support you. But remember. Lavar shoplifting is not again in capitals a little thing. It's a really big deal, especially in China. Ungrateful fool! Exclamation mark. What is going on, Webby? Tell me what's going on here. Is Trump calling Lavar Don King an insult? Because weren't Trump and Don King boys? Pretty sure they were boys. Yes. And is Donald Trump the one to be calling out people and talking about hair? No, but he also was calling out people being accused of sexual harassment when he's been accused of it, too. So hypocrisy is, is not new to the president of the United States of America, Donald Trump. What the fuck? You know what's crazy, man? A couple weeks ago when we were doing this, I tweeted, you know, we're getting closer and closer to ending this year on the biggest battle that we all want to see, Donald Trump versus LeVar Ball in the most peak 2017 th thing ever. And now that we're here, I don't want this to happen. <laughs> I really don't. I, I'm like, it, we're at November 24th. Can these guys just like behave themselves for the rest of the year? Can they just yeah, shut, shut up? Shut up for a month, man. <laughs> Chill out. Shut up. shut up for a month. That's it. But the other thing that's going on with the Ball family is I'm pretty sure uh, the shipment, if you ordered your big baller brand, your ZO2s, I think the shipment's oh. supposed to go out today, actually. Really? So all these people, in the coming days at some point, the shipments are supposed to go out. So whenever th that day, probably by the time you hear next week's podcast, I'm guessing our, our Feed Me next week will involve people on social media stunting in their ZO2s <laughs> that finally came in after all these is months. Just, is it just the ZO2s or are my, are, are my, uh, my flip-flops coming in too? I think the flip-flops should come in too, I'd assume, right? I'd assume. The, the I'm looking for those $200 flip-flops. If Jay-Z doesn't post a picture of him wearing ZO2s, no, he can't do that. No, he can't do that. No, he was. Okay. He already had a line of horrific looking shoes of his own. Oh, the Estoc Carters? Is that what they were? Oh, are? man, those are terrible. Surprisingly, I never even owned those. I guess that well, tells I don't you buy something. that for a second. There's got to be a picture of you wearing the Estoc <laughs> Carters somewhere. I swear to you, that was not a thing. That was not a thing, Webby. But what is a thing is our Ask On Blast segment, the way that we wrap up each and every week here on the On Blast podcast. I love hearing it. I love hearing from the people. Right? We love hearing from the people. And this question comes to us from On Blast listener, Quentin, who says simply... Shouts to Quentin. Shout out to Q. He says, did you go to Jay-Z? Well, no, I didn't go to Jay-Z. I live in London, Ontario. <laughs> let, let me tell you, if Jay-Z is playing London, I'm there. You I'll and the you London that. Knights will be there, right? But I have seen Jay-Z live. now. You had the chance to go. Did you go, Sheldon? 
I went both nights in Toronto. Now I was saying I was saying it to you before we started recording. You're like a deadhead only for Jay-Z. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, okay? There are a few things going on here, a few things at play. One being Jay-Z is almost 48 years old, okay? Yeah. This album, I think, really only happened because you know, if you're buying or selling this story about what happened in the elevator and him cheating and all that stuff. And this album happened because we're told he he had something to say, right? Some tough times going on in his life, in his relationship, in their family, and he's growing up and he's, he's trying to teach us lessons. What is the next album going to be about? I don't know. Does he need to put out another album? I don't think so. So does that mean, is there going to be another Jay-Z tour at some point? I don't know. So my thinking behind this was this might be the last time to see Jay-Z perform as Jay-Z. So I wanted to make sure that, hey, I'm getting my fill in now. And if you're going to tell me I could see Hova the God two nights in a row at a very reasonable price, you bet your ass I'm going to do it. Uh, uh, And the other thing behind this is we're not too many uh, weeks away from seeing all the crazy reaction to the passing of Gord Downey. And no, right. I'm not trying to kill Jay-Z, pardon the pun. But, but, but you never know. But no, I'm just saying like in terms of seeing the reaction that all these people had, it was a reminder that you just don't know what can happen, but also to appreciate the opportunities you do have to see your your idols perform and do what they do at the peak of their powers. And to be honest, I was heading in. I wasn't sure how good the show was going to be. Because 444 is a dope album, but I don't know if it would translate to a performance. Yeah, weird album to tour on. Exactly. But they did an amazing job of, it wasn't just like three straight songs from the album, they kind of mixed it up. So it would play off of like one of his classic hits. Do you know what I mean? So it it kept the party going, right? And it, it was a really good time. A really, really good time. I'd say it was one of the better J shows I've seen period like i enjoyed it had such a great time no complaints at all if there was a third night i would go again in toronto wow thumbs thumbs way up for the jay-z show thumbs way 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 up a funny joke though was because there's two shows and normally when there's two shows people always assume that if there's anything special or like surprise guests that's normally going to happen in the second show right right so a friend of mine who went to the first show but had to work and couldn't go to the second show, he was he was joking around with me about the fact that I can't believe you're going two nights in a row. That's amazing. But when I saw him on Wednesday night, he said, hey, let me know if anything crazy happened. Send me a text message. I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. So middle of the second show, my phone's buzzing. And I look at my phone, and it's a message from my boy, and he simply says, oh, my gosh, I just heard that Eminem is in town, and he had his Thanksgiving dinner at the Share Club at the ACC. And I'm like, wait, what? Hold on. (laughs) I'm I'm watching Jay-Z perform, and I'm reading this on my phone, and I'm just like, hold on. You cannot toy with my emotions like this. This is not something to joke around about. I don't know if this was even confirmed. I'm just telling you this is something that was sent to me, but someone who's pretty reliable. So I don't know if this is actually a thing, but I know that Drake was there. Drake didn't perform. Cardi got shouted out twice. But I don't know if Eminem was there. 
But if there's anybody out here who does know if Eminem was even in the building, please let us know. Because that would have okay. been one of the greatest Thanksgiving gifts ever. If Eminem just came on stage and they did Renegade or some shit like that, oh my god, I would have lost my shit. Okay, aside from Kanye, okay, who would you want to see do a full show alongside Jay-Z? I, one of my biggest regrets is not going to that Eminem Jay-Z joint concert series that they had at, was it Yankee Stadium and whatever Detroit Stadium's called? I was going to say Ford Field, but it's America. America. It was their baseball field. Yeah, that is one of my biggest regrets. Because though of our generation, because I'm, and I'm saying our generation, because Biggie and Pac, yes, but we were young. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like our, our like prime hip hop years, Jay-Z and Eminem, like that's, you know, and plus in I their don't... hometowns and you're seeing like yeah. them bring out like the no, best no, of the best, right. like in terms of like, you know, top level, that's pretty good. That's as good as you can get. Now, so do you, I know do you what you're going to say. M&M? Do you have Eminem in your top five? I don't know. Okay. Because I have a weird top five though, because I got to include people who are just like personal favorites who I know is not going to be on anyone else's list. But they're my dudes that I bump. Like Young Jeezy well, is on my top five. He's not no, going to be on that, anyone else's top five, but he's on my top five because that's my dude. Every everybody on my list gets like everybody who's number one on everybody else's list. They all get bumped down by one by me because the greatest rapper of all time is MF Doom. Woo! That's it. That's it. I'll hey. put it out there every day. Webby, I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. It's so good. So good. I still bump. Nadville and I still bump Operation Doomsday on a weekly basis, man. He is the best. That's amazing, Webby. And that's why you are the best. And you know what? The people listening to this, they're also the best because we have another. The fact that anybody listens to us, I love it. Keep sending your questions. Keep sending us your questions. Keep sending us your questions. Keep bumping to the On Blast podcast. Let us know what you think. If you think you have topics for any of our segments, whether it's Ask On Blast, or whether it's turn up or turn down, whatever you want to hear us talk about, let us know. As always, I'm Sheldon Alexander. You can find me on Twitter at Shell Alexander. I am Andrew Webster. You can find me across the whole galaxy of social media at a Webster 84. Yes, the whole galaxy of social media. Yes, I like that. I like that. And as always, we are the Ball on Blast podcast unpolished and unapologetic until next week we'll see you then peace